to E-News at One on Radio One. I'm Gavin Jennings. Good afternoon. The lunchtime headlines on Friday the 1st of March. Sleet and snow has led to travel disruption in many parts of the country. Gardaí say 900 motorists were detected speeding during National Slowdown Day. And thousands of mourners have attended the funeral in Moscow of the Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. The news is read by Vivian Trainer. There's been some disruption to flights as well as bus and rail services today as a result of sleet and snow in many parts of the country. There's been traffic gridlock in many areas, including long delays on the M50 motorway in Dublin. Karen Creed reports. The alerts for snow and ice have been lifted for some areas within the last hour, but for others, severe weather warnings have come into effect. There's a status yellow snow and ice warning for all of Munster and eight other counties. Carlow, Dublin, Kildare, Kilkenny, Leash, Offaly, Wexford and Wicklow until 6pm. Met Erin has warned that as rain moves southwards, it could turn to sleet and snow with icy stretches. From 6pm, a status yellow ice warning comes into effect for the entire country until 9am tomorrow. There has been some disruption with delays to flights, bus and rail services and traffic gridlock in many areas, including motorways. Travelling conditions across many routes remains treacherous with reports of minor road incidents. As well as icy conditions, four counties are being warned to expect persistent rain and possible localised flooding. There's a status yellow rain alert in effect for Dublin, Meath, Wicklow and Louth that continues until 3 o'clock tomorrow morning. 900 drivers were detected speeding during National Slowdown Day, which ran for 24 hours up to 7 o'clock this morning. Gardaí arrested three drivers detected speeding on suspicious of dangerous driving. A further three detected speeding were subsequently arrested on suspicion of driving while intoxicated. The funeral is taking place in Moscow of the Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. There's a heavy police presence in the city with the masked guards stationed around a perimeter fence. The 47-year-old died in an Arctic prison where he'd been held on politically motivated charges. Few details have been released on the cause of his death. Officials say he collapsed after going for a walk. The Kremlin has denied state involvement in his death. The Minister for Media, Catherine Martin, is holding a virtual meeting with members of the RTE board. RTE's Director General, Kevin Backhurst, has also been attending. It follows the resignation of the former chair of the RTE board, Shuni Raleigh, last week. Here's Tommy Meskell of our political staff. Today's meeting between the Minister for Media Catherine Martin and the RTE board was described as one that would be forward-looking. RTE's Director General Kevin Backhurst is also attending the virtual session. It's understood Minister Martin hoped to discuss the importance of the future funding model for public service broadcasting. The government hopes to be in a position to appoint a new RTE board chair on Tuesday when it meets for its cabinet meeting. Meanwhile, RTE has announced that it has appointed Mary Hurley as its new Chief Financial Officer. She has held the role of CFO in a number of other companies, including AA Ireland and Sherry Fitzgerald. Ms Hurley is due to start in late summer. Tommy Meskell, RTE News, Leinster House. 
The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue, is meeting his northern counterpart, Minister Andrew Moore, in Donegal for the first time since Stormont was restored. The ministers will mark the successful All-Ireland campaign to get protected geographic indicator status for Irish grass-fed beef. Plans for using the PGI label to market Irish beef will also be unveiled. Our agriculture and consumer affairs correspondent, Joe McGreedy. Before Christmas, late last year, Irish grass-fed beef received EU recognition for its unique characteristics in geographical origin after a years-long campaign. The PGI application had initially excluded cattle from the north, but later a joint submission was made by Board Bia and the Northern Ireland Livestock and Meat Commission for all 32 counties. Today, Minister Charlie McConlogue and Andrew Moore, Minister for Agriculture, Environment and Rural Affairs in the Stormont Government, meet on a beef farm near Lifford, County Donegal, close to the border. They will discuss this cross-border all-island achievement and hear about plans to market grass-fed Irish beef across Europe, where cuts bearing the PGI label are expected to be on some shelves within weeks. PGI status was awarded on the basis that cattle on this island naturally graze grass in open fields for the majority of their lives, in contrast with beef rearing in most other countries where cattle are housed indoors and reared on feed much of the time. Joe McGrailey, RTE News, County Donegal. Controversial left-wing politician George Galloway has run, won the Rochdale by-election in England, saying his win was for Gaza. In response, the Labour Party said Mr Galloway only won because they did not stand and described him as a damaging force. Our London correspondent, John Kilrain. George Galloway won the by-election with over 12,000 votes, nearly 40% of the total. He has now been an MP for three different parties, for Labour, the Respect Party and now the Workers' Party of Britain. Mr Galloway received a lot of support from the Muslim community and in his victory speech addressed the Labour leader by saying, Keir Starmer, this is for Gaza. In response, the Labour Party apologised to the people of Rochdale for not fielding a candidate. The person selected was suspended from the party for making remarks widely considered to be anti-Semitic. The Labour Party statement added that Mr Galloway is only interested in stoking fear and division. A local independent candidate came second on a bad night for the main political parties. The Conservatives finished in third place while the former Labour Party candidate came fourth with the Liberal Democrats fifth and Reform UK sixth. John Corain, RT News, Rochdale. And now the weather. RTE Radio 1 Weather with Grant. For highly efficient, sustainable home heating for your new build, choose Grant's A triple plus rated air only heat pump. Visit grant.ie. Rain, sleet and snow will move southwards across the rest of the country this afternoon, turning to rain as it does so, except on higher ground. Hail and isolated thunderstorms are possible. Drier conditions will spread from the north this afternoon, becoming blustery too as fresh to strong and gusty northerly winds develop. Cold with afternoon highs of 3 to 7 degrees. And there's a warning that northerly winds will reach gale force 8 at times today on Irish coasts from Carnsore Point to Roaches Point to Slinehead. Gavin. Thanks, Vivian. And still to come on the news at one, a spring surprise. Sleet and snow brings Dublin and many parts of the countries to a standstill. We'll hear from Met Air and Gardaí and Irish Rail and the Refugee Council on asylum seekers surviving the snow in tents. 
Also, the Minister meets the Board of RTE, a check on the President and a funeral in Moscow. Did you know that you can spread the cost of your TV licence across the year? Set up a direct debit now and pay just thirteen thirty-three a month. If you have a TV, you must have a TV licence. It's the law. See tvlicense.ie for more. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Centuries of wonder, worlds of culture. Journey across continents and leap through time at the Chester Beatty, home to ancient manuscripts and artistic treasures. With free admission and late opening on Wednesdays, visit the Chester Beatty today, where words and art transcend time. Find out more at chesterbeatty.ie. Welcome back. You're with the news at one. It's been snowing today. It's still white outside our windows here. And many parts of the country, including the capital, have been and are still covered in an unexpected blanket of snow. A weather event forecasters in Met Air and said took them by surprise. There has been disruption to transport with long delays into Dublin this morning. Several schools are closed in Cavan, Leitrim and Longford and a series of weather warnings remain in place for Friday and into Saturday. We'll talk with Met Aaron later and we'll also hear about people trying to survive this weather living in tents in Dublin. First, here's Sean O'Neill, Head of Communications and Transport Infrastructure Ireland on Radio 1 earlier. We have operations ongoing throughout the network and you could almost follow the weather as it was coming across. There was a band across the country, but a heavy, heavy dose in the eastern portion of the country, in particularly around Dublin. And you could literally follow it. And now it's heading as, as we look towards, um, you know, Wicklow and Wexford, that area. But it's going to be a little while still. Um, we are keeping in touch with Met Aaron. Uh, there's very localized events that's at elevations in and around, you know, Cabin, Monaghan, Kildare, Longford, Sligo, Roscommon, Westmeath, and now we're looking at Wick- Wicklow and Wexford. But the full crews are in operation and dealing with it. The timing of this event really added to the complexity of dealing with it, both at the local network level and obviously the M50, because everything just got backed up. So absolutely, this has been a, a not a good event. That was Sean O'Neill, Head of Communications and Transport Infrastructure Ireland. In a statement to us, Dublin City Council said they are carrying out winter maintenance operations in accordance with its winter maintenance plan. Weather forecasts, weather conditions and road conditions continue to be monitored and assessed. Crews and gritters were mobilised early this morning to spread salt on the city's main roads. This work is presently ongoing. A plan is in place and crews, plant and machinery are available to continue gritting operations throughout the day and weekend if required. Let's get the latest on the roads now with Garda Superintendent Liam Geraghty. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for taking our call today. To the best of your knowledge, what are the worst affected roads and routes this afternoon? Uh, good afternoon. Um, yeah, definitely there's been a significant improvement over the course of the morning. Um, most of our major routes, national routes and motorway networks are back up and running uh, pretty much normally. When you go off that and again on higher grounds in particular, um, people would actually, we would urge them to be cautious about travelling into higher grounds and maybe stick to the main roads over the course of um, this afternoon and the early evening. We did have, we do have one road closure at the moment in the Longford area where a bus did go off the road um, earlier this 
this morning on the R397 in near Longford. The driver was the only person on the bus at the time, so there's thankfully no injuries or no major issues with that, but the road will remain closed for a while while the bus is um, removed from the road. But in general, things are improving, but people need to be aware there is still a lot of surface water out there, a lot of slush on the road, which will make them very, very slippy. So we again advising people to plan their journey for the afternoon, leave plenty of time to get to where they're going, Check the destination that they're going to to make sure road conditions are similar or what they're, what they are like in the, in the space. And in the meantime, drive slow and reduce your speed and give plenty of distance between vehicle in front of you so that you have allowed yourself additional time to stop if you do need to do so. Tell us about how difficult it was this morning. It did get very difficult for um, quite a period of time, um, as was mentioned there um, by TII earlier on this morning. There was a very, very heavy band of very, very cold rain, sleet and snow that did come across the country, certainly across Cavan, uh, Longford, um, Mead into Dublin and down into Wicklow. Um, so nearly a line like that. And certainly between seven and nine um, in the middle of our rusher traffic and school traffic and, and, and all of that extra movement, um, roads did get quite congested traffic did slow down quite a bit but thankfully um, and thankfully to all our road users out there we had no major incidents reported of it um, which is the is the one positive out of it. National slowdown day was yesterday a lot of slowing down today of course but you've been giving some examples of excessive speed yesterday. Yesterday. We have indeed. So National Slowdown Day was the first one for 2024 was yesterday. We um, obviously um, enforce speed limits on an ongoing basis um, every day of the year with our partners in GoSafe. But we do um, highlight National Slowdown Days in order to have the topic of speeding and the conversation around it. It's of extreme concern to us that yesterday over 900 drivers were detected breaking the, the, the speed limits and will all be subject of fixed charge notices. Three drivers in particular, they're driving uh, their speed and the condition of the driving led to them being arrested for dangerous driving and the further three drivers who were driving over the speed limit were then further arrested for driving under the influence and we've seen speeds as high as 174 kilometers per hour in a 120 kilometer zone in Kilkenny, 101 kilometers per hour in a 50 kilometer zone in Castlemaine and Kerry um, and 160 kilometers an hour in a 100 kilometer zone on the N7 in Kill County Kildare and those are significantly excessive speeds that are quite dangerous and difficult um, on the road. Liam Garrity, Garda Superintendent Liam Garrity, thank you for speaking with us today. Now, many flights in and out of Dublin Airport are operating with delays today. Some bus errand routes have been cancelled with services in Donegal, Cavan and North Dublin worst impacted. Dublin Bus is advising passengers that services are operational but to expect delays on all routes. Rail travel has also been affected. Barry Kenny is Head of Corporate Communications at Irish Rail. He's with us now. Uh, Barry Kenny, tell us what has been out so far today? Uh, well, it was the worst affected is the south side on the Dart Line, Gavin. We've got, we're actually suspended at the moment between Lansdowne Road and Bray, as well as the snow impacts and the, and the points uh, being affected, being blocked up with snow. And we, we have our crews out working to clear those continuously. Uh, we then had a fallen tree damaging the overhead uh, lines. So uh, right now, our crews are on site to, to clear that. We would hope uh, to have that line reopened, hopefully within an hour, but with, with weather, uh, obviously. Uh, that is to, to be confirmed. Uh, other than that, we've had it's it's basically been the city centre and south and west of the city centre where the worst effects have, have been. We had quite significant delays earlier uh, on the Manus line, uh, which is now easing. Uh, we were suspended on Phoenix Park Tunnel services, which uh, link over from the Houston side uh, through to Grand Canal Dock. They've now uh, resumed uh, and delays 
to and from Houston are about 20 to 45 minutes uh, at the moment. So trains are moving everywhere except for that Lansdowne Road to Bray section, uh, uh, but we do hope to be able to, to get that reopened early afternoon. But there'll be knock-on delays through this afternoon. So for those who, and lots of people uh, exiting the capital and trying to get on the move throughout the country today, are they all going to experience delays of some description? And certainly right now, all services are, are, are delayed. We will get people home. Uh, we will, the trains will be moving. Uh, but just to, we obviously ask for, for customers' uh, patience and understanding in this. Uh, uh, but we will get people to home. The delays will ease through the afternoon. But, you know, we're backed up. Trains are out of place. Uh, and we will get everything moving as quickly as we can uh, to get people to where they want to go. Barry Kenny at Erin uh, O'Daren, thank you. Let's speak to Anna McHugh. She's Head of Communications with OnPost. Good afternoon, Anna. <coughs> Excuse me. Hello, Gavin. Uh, tell us about how Post has been affected today. Yeah, we've really had some very hev- heavy localised snowfall in some areas. Earlier today, it was particularly bad across Cavan, Leitrim, Mona and Westmead. And the areas served by our, our delivery depots in, in Dublin 18, Ganagiri and Blackrock, Thankfully, there is a definite thaw underway now and uh, we will make every effort to get letters and parcels to customers uh, as quickly as we can where it's safe to do so. And where possible, we'll also make arrangements tomorrow uh, to make deliveries in in as many of the affected areas uh, as possible if we can't get there today. So you'll have extra um, you'll have well, deliveries tomorrow, is that right? We will wherever we can uh, and as much as possible if, if they're needed. We're conscious as well, um, the thaw is on, there's rain due, and as the temperature drops, that ice could become an issue for us as well. But we're monitoring it locally, and, and thankfully, all our drivers have been trained in to you know to drive to drive safely in all sorts of conditions, and they have that important local knowledge. One important thing to say that if anyone didn't manage to get out to the post office today to do their banking or get their travel uh, money or to collect a welfare benefit, don't worry. Post offices are all open tomorrow morning, and uh, have no fear. Your your welfare benefit will be there for you tomorrow. Better to do that than than risk today because some of the, the footpaths and roads are really quite treacherous. Anna McHugh at On Post, thank you. The snow and cold temperatures are causing particular hardships for those who are sleeping rough, including international protection applicants sheltering in tents outside the IPO office. We'll speak to Nick Henderson, the CEO of the Irish Refugee Council shortly, but first our reporter Carol Coleman spoke to Aubrey McCarthy at the Lighthouse Cafe where larger than usual numbers are seeking warmth and food. Initially, uh, when the snow started, we thought, okay, there'll be an increased numbers. But the increased numbers didn't show till nine o'clock. And then there was absolute manic. Um, a lot of older men looking for warm coats, which we are out, we're out of stock. We have a lot of women's coats, but no men. But there's a queue for people that are trying to get in from the cold and get some warm food. I think tonight, Friday, we are going to be out the door. Our service is open from 7 to 10 p.m. Even last night, we had 363 people presenting at the evening service alone. What we do is we give them a hot meal. We give them toiletries, sleeping bags, whatever we have, uh, we give them uh, so that they can be protected from the cold in these extreme weather conditions. And for the most vulnerable, you have bought special sleeping bags. Would you believe we were contacted by a donor who wanted to help the most vulnerable and she bought us a number of these foil packs, but they're very expensive and you could sleep on Mount Everest with these. But now we're running, we've run out of those as well. And how are people holding up, those who are coming into you? 
We try to do it differently. We have the heating on full. We put on music, live music. We uh, bingo. We have all of these things to try and divert the attention of what is happening out there. But people are under pressure. And you can see even you and me were walking on icy sidewalks. Could you imagine spending the day in the extreme cold, risking hypothermia, frostbite, and the basic necessities are not there. Have you enough room for all those who are showing up? No, we don't. And the building itself is very, very busy. But what we've tried to do, we've tried to line people up in a sort of a laneway and we've covered that laneway. So at least they're not getting snowed or rained upon while they queue for the actual service. That's Aubrey McCarthy there. We're joined now by Nick Henderson. He's CEO of the Irish Refugee Council. Uh, Nick Henderson, good afternoon to you. Hi, Gavin. How are you doing? Uh, we understand there's now 1,103 international protection applicants here without an offer of accommodation. That's according to the latest officials we have uh, from the government department responsible at uh, this lunchtime. Uh, y- you've been down at the IPO office in Dublin today. To tell us about what conditions are like down there. Yeah, I was down there at about 9 a.m. I uh, went past on my way to work uh, and the situation there is of real concern to us. There is approximately, well, at least 50 tents there, uh, probably more. And the snow that had fallen was causing many of the tents to collapse. Uh, there was people uh, trying to take uh, to get out of the weather by re- staying under an archway. And I heard voices from people in the tents uh, that were there. Uh, I was there also on Wednesday, and the situation was already of huge concern to us. Uh, but seeing the conditions there this morning uh, only heightened our concern. Uh, we do understand, um, a co- colleague of mine wrote to the Department of Integration this morning, and we've received a response about half an hour ago saying that Department of Integration officials are doing a visit to the site and trying to collect people's names with a view to taking people to emergency accommodation over the weekend. We only just found out that information. Um, So it's a a situation of huge concern to us. Yes, in in a statement to us, the Department of Equality said that uh, they're in regular contact uh, with the Dublin Regional Homeless Executive, the Dublin Signum Community, Streetlink Homeless Support, Outreach Services and others on this issue, particularly with regard to identification of particularly vulnerable individuals. They say that these organisations are provided with the department's duty phone, which is monitored 24-7, which they can use to identify uh, said individuals. The statement said that prioritisation is being given uh, to the most vulnerable individuals. Um, you said that there are around 50 tents outside the yeah. IPO office. Where is everyone else? Uh, in our experience, and this was reflective of the same in the spring, people are moving around the city, uh, sleeping or trying to take cover in, in overnight uh, restaurants or, re- or cafes or takeaways that may be op- open overnight. Some people are not, not staying in Dublin. We have heard of people tra- uh, travelling to other locations within uh, within the country. We've met people who have felt that uh, Dublin isn't a safe space, particularly Dublin city centre. Uh, we have worked with people who've been able to uh, stay in hostels. 
uh, several problems with accessing a hostel. One is that you'd need photographic ID. Generally, people may not have that. Secondly, uh, the, the cost of a hostel can be prohibitive, particularly at weekends. So we've met with people who've been able to afford a couple of nights but, uh, during the week, but then not been able to afford it at the weekends. Um, in terms of the tents themselves, there would probably be more than one person in a tent. So if there's at least 50 tents, um, with two people per tent, you, the, the, the numbers would build up there. Just want to respond on what you said there about yes. what services are available to people. Uh, we have real concern that, um, and it's important for your listeners to note, that um, people who are in this situation don't have automatic access uh, to emergency homeless services. Um we, we've written to DHRE this morning asking... That's the Dublin uh, Region Homeless Executive, yes. Exactly, asking, and we've also written to, to councillors in the area asking, regardless of the cold weather and regardless of the snow, what supports will be put in place to support the situation at the around the Mount Street area? People shouldn't be there at all, but in the meantime, there are a number of steps, port-a-loos, refuse collection, better quality tents, thermal blankets. Uh, those sort of actions could uh, improve the situation of people there um, because as the figures you've just mentioned 1,100 that's gone up by 100 a week in a, in a week so it's a quite a significant jump up jump up and we don't see in the government's current response we don't believe that government's current response is in any way adequate either to uh, resolve to, to deal with the issues that are arising day to day, but also importantly, trying to resolve and end this situation. Nick Henderson, CEO of the Irish Refugee Council, thank you for speaking with us. Jerry Murphy of Met Heron is in our studio. Jerry, thank you for coming in. Just, this weather took many of us by surprise this morning. Were, were you surprised? Um, thanks, Gavin. Um, well, we weren't surprised that there was some snow because in the forecast for the last couple of days it was said that a mix of rain, sleet and snow would move southwards over the country. But certainly the magnitude of the snow then this morning was definitely more leaning towards the snow side than the rain and sleet side. But the magnitude of the snow became the threat of higher levels of snow became really only apparent then last night, which means that overnight actual snow warnings were issued at that point. They were very short notice, it's absolutely, and that wasn't much comfort for people struggling to snow this morning in rush hour. But there was snow expected, and even in the rainfall warning that was issued yesterday, it was said... Uh, falls of rain in eastern counties turning to snow as turning to snow at times, but certainly the magnitude of the snow that did occur was certainly um, more than what was within that that warning. So more snow has fallen than was expected, and at the point where you realised that was going to happen, warnings were issued. Yes, warnings were issued overnight and and quite quickly this morning. But we do admit, of course, they were very short notice. Uh, how much snow would merit an orange warning? Uh, an orange warning. It depends on the. The yellow level warning is three centimetres. An orange warning is three centimetres in six hours, um, five centimetres in 12 hours, and higher than that then for 24 hours. And is that what we've seen? So what we've seen in some places would possibly have orange, would possibly on the basis of hindsight has, has uh, indicated that some places would have warranted an orange warning because a lot of snow fell in a very short amount of time. But that's with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, snow is in a borderline situation where it's rain, sleet or snow. It's, it's notoriously tricky to forecast. And then there have been times that we've issued yellow or orange snow warnings and the snow, it's gone the other way yes, that it's mostly rain and 
and sleet. But in this instance, certainly, it tended more towards snow, which did certainly cause problems for people. With the benefit of hindsight, and you said it was it was only shortly, it was it was overnight, excuse me, by the time it became apparent what was going to happen, and that many people wouldn't have been aware of that when they were going to make their commute this morning. What do you think could you learn from the could have been done perhaps to, to make people more aware of what was going to happen this morning once you were aware yourselves? Um, well, the forecaster overnight basically monitors the weather. The weather's been monitored 24 hours a day and if the forecaster sees then that the that there is a threat of um, snow, then they will issue the warnings as as was done overnight. And then really what can be done after that is that basically the, the relevant people are communicated off those warnings and off the of the threat of snow. But the warnings that were issued were yellow, which which would mean then that um um the level of communication would not have been as high as for an orange. What's next? What's going to happen to all the snow this Well, fall? really what's happening at the moment is that the, the the sleet and snow is still falling over South Leinster and into Munster and there are yellow level uh, snow warnings in operation for those because the amounts are not expected to be that high as it moves further south. And that will clear this evening and at the moment some of this, the snow has turned to rain in parts of the Dublin region. So is it going to melt away or is it going to freeze over What's the going to happen so? is you'll have a certain amount of melting this afternoon and this evening but then it's going to freeze tonight. Oh. <clears throat> Sorry. So there is a yellow level ice warning for tonight because there will be a sharp frost on snow, slush, icy conditions. So there will be fairly treacherous conditions overnight and tomorrow morning. That sounds like if you're heading off tomorrow morning, it's going to be pretty dangerous. Uh, potentially, yes, because it is going to be a very frosty and icy night. Jerry Murphy at Met Aaron, thank you very much for coming into our studio today. To other news now, the Media Minister Catherine Martin has been meeting the Board of RTE this morning. It's the first meeting since the controversial resignation of the former Chair of the RTE Board, Shuni Rahalik. Tommy Meskel of our political staff joins us now from our Eroctus studio. Uh, Tommy, that meeting has just concluded, yes? It just concluded in the last few minutes, Gavin, and two separate statements have now issued, one from the Department of Media, the other one from the RTE board, uh, and they broadly mirror each other. They say that the discussion focused on the work of the RTE board and bringing through the new strategy, uh, but they also tell us that uh, today the minister was informed that Dr. PJ Matthews has notified her of his decision to step down from the RTE board. He was on the board for 10 years. Uh, he says he's stepping down due to work commitments. Now, other or on, during the meeting today, we know that Catherine Martin was hoping to have a, a forward-looking discussion, and so they also had an opportunity to discuss uh, future funding for RTE. Uh, Minister Martin also told members that she hopes to be in a position to appoint a new chair to the RTE board as soon as possible. Do we know when that's going to be? Well, I think there's an expectation on the part of governments that they will be in a position to do this on Tuesday when the Cabinet meets again. The way this works is that the Minister for Media, Catherine Martin, she nominates somebody for the position and then the government as a whole uh, agrees to it and appoints them. So potentially Tuesday. Also during today's meeting, this virtual meeting with the RT board, Catherine Martin said that she hopes to appoint other members uh, to the RT board as soon as she can. Now, Tommy, how's the President? Well, I think there was a lot of surprise yesterday, Gavin, when we heard that Michael D. Higgins had been taken to hospital by ambulance. Uh, he had been feeling unwell at Oris and Lutheran yesterday afternoon and he was brought to hospital as a precaution. Uh, now, early indications were that there was nothing uh, too serious to be worried about. There were tests as well when he got to hospital and those tests have been returned and they are positive too. 
he could potentially be discharged today, but speaking to those at the Oris, they're not fully sure yet as to when that will happen. I think, though, if it's not today, then there would be an expectation that he will be released uh, soon afterwards. Do we know anything more about his condition? Because he's been, he's been out and about a lot all week. He was, uh, he was seen at the match, for example, the uh, Ireland-Wales match earlier on this week. No, they're very tight-lipped as to what exactly uh, was wrong. Uh, Yeah, he was out and about during the weekend. He also had events this week at the film festival. He also uh, met with uh, foreign dignitaries as well and foreign ministers, so he had a a busy schedule. He was also due to carry out functions today and over the coming days, uh, but no update as to what exactly was wrong. Uh, Perhaps they're still trying to find that out. Tommy, thank you. That's Tommy Meskel of our political staff. We'll hear from Moscow next. Allure. It's more than just attraction. Allure is instinct being drawn to the extraordinary. And at Peugeot, Allure defines everything we do. Feeling secure, wrapped in luxury, ingenious technology. And you'll find it in the stylish new Peugeot 408. Are the new E2008, the SUV that's built around you. Experience Allure by reserving your test drive at Peugeot.ie. RTE Radio 1. Rick Astley. See him live at 3 Arena this Tuesday. With very special guests scouting for girls. Tickets available now from Ticketmaster.ie. Don't miss Rick Astley, live at 3 Arena this Tuesday. Music updates on RTE Radio 1. Welcome back here with the news at one. Let's go to Moscow where the funeral service for Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny has been taking place. The Russian opposition leader died in prison in a Siberian penal colony two weeks ago. There was a heavy police presence in the city which masked guards stationed around a perimeter fence where his funeral service took place earlier this morning. Supporters of Mr. Navalny gathered and chanted as his remains were brought to the church in Moscow. Authorities had warned that any gatherings in support of Mr. Navalny would be illegal. We're joined now by Vitaly Shevchenko. He's Russia editor at BBC Monitoring. Vitaly, good afternoon to you again. And tell us about what kind of numbers gathered for this funeral. Um, so many Russians were there despite being fully aware, I'm sure, that they're running a very high and realistic risk of, of being arrested. Um, and I think we're talking about hundreds and possibly thousands of, of people who first attended a, um, um, a service outside a church and then walked down the road to a cemetery um, where Alexei Navalny's body was laid to rest. So the significance of this is very obvious. Russia's most popular and extremely effective opposition leader critic of President Vladimir Putin and his policies is dead and buried. Were any of his family there? His father and mother, they were there, they attended the funeral, but his wife, Yulia, she is not in Russia. She's been very vocal in criticizing uh, Vladimir Putin and in doing so, she's She's violated so many 
of the repressive laws that Russia passed recently that if she were to go back to Russia to attend her late husband's funeral or do anything else, she'd face near certain arrest. Now, the big question is, what next for the Russian opposition uh, inside Russia? It's all but quashed, gone, and key um, associates of Alexei Navalny, they are in exile, including his his widow, widow Yulia, and with that in mind, Vladimir Putin, who is running for re-election at, at, at polls in two weeks' time, he's all but certain to win another six-year term of office. He's firmly in control. His rule is very unlikely to be challenged from within Russia where there's no organized political opposition. So I'm sure Vladimir Putin... He's, he's feeling very secure at the moment. Yes, uh, Yulia Navalny um, paid tribute to her husband uh, on X, formerly Twitter, after his burial this morning, thanking him for 26 years of absolute happiness. She said, I don't know how to live without you, but I will try my best um, to make it, you up there happy for me and proud of me. I don't know if I'll manage it or not, but I will try. The people who were at the funeral this morning, what's going to happen to them, um, Vitaly? Will they be arrested? Well, on the one hand, the the optics of arresting people outside a church or at a cemetery would look extremely bad for the Kremlin, whose ideology is so firmly based in what it calls traditional, i.e. conservative values designed to appeal to orthodox believers. But on the other hand, if the Kremlin decides that this kind of gatherings will are becoming too much of a threat, I'm sure that the security apparatus in Russia is skilled and experienced enough, for lack of better words, in, in finding ways of arresting people that it will do it. But from what we've heard so far... There have been no reports of arrests, which suggests that the Kremlin doesn't really see this as too much of a threat. And it's probably hoping that, well, Navalny is gone and nobody will be able to replace him from within Russia. Are we likely ever to find out more about how he died or why he died? Not until Vladimir Putin is gone. He's a former... KGB officer, as you will know, and that's how the system that he has built, that's how it works. It's based on secrecy and obfuscation, and as far as we understand, Alexei Navalny's relatives were given the results of an official autopsy, which says that he incredibly died of natural causes, and um, Alexei Navalny's team, they're that being really careful in blaming the uh, the Kremlin and Vladimir Putin personally for uh, Alexei Navalny's death without actually saying what killed him, that we don't know at the moment and, in fact, we may never know. Vitaly Shevchenko from BBC Monitoring, thank you very much for speaking with us again today.
back home, new figures from the Central Statistics Office show that the country's GDP shrank by 3.2% last year on the back of a contraction in the multinational dominated industry sector. This compares to an initial estimate of a fall of just 0.7% and was down from growth of 9.4% in 2022. However, modified domestic demand, which more closely tracks the domestic economy, grew by half a percent in 2023. Dr. Loretta O'Sullivan, EY Ireland Chief Economist is on the line. Uh, Dr. O'Sullivan, good afternoon. Does this mean that Ireland was and its economy was officially in recession for the year? Good afternoon, Gavin. I think when you're looking at the Irish National Accounts data, there is an art to interpretation it, with it. It's a little bit like looking at the Mona Lisa and determining is she smiling or not. So the question is, did the economy grow or not in 2023? Was it in recession or not? And that very much comes back to what measure you look at. On a GDP basis, as you said there at the outset, economic activity contracted, and um, whereas modified domestic demand, which is a proxy for the domestic economy, that rose slightly last year. Um, So what are the prospects for the year ahead so far, or do we know? Um, For for, for this year? Yes, based on current trends, yes. Yeah, based on current trends, we would expect an uplift in growth, both in GDP terms and on the basis of modified domestic demand. If we look at what's happening, we're seeing that inflation is tracking lower. um, And we saw that from data that came out yesterday from the Central Statistics Office also. So the inflation rate is down to 2.2% on a HICP basis. And we're also seeing that the economy is continuing to create jobs. Over 90,000 new jobs added in 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 the year to Q4, the end of last year. So this is all good from the point of view of the households. It means that they have more money in their pocket and that's going to be supportive of spending. Their purchasing power has been restored. Also, as we look through this year, we do expect that the ECB is going to begin to cut interest rates um, for households. That's good immediately for households on trackers. And also it's good news for business as well. It means more favourable financing conditions for those. And that's going to feed through and support an improvement in, in business investment. For businesses, we also do expect that we see some improvement on the basis that there are key agendas there. There's a sustainability agenda, there's a digitalization agenda, and it's also the case that the government is investing in infrastructure very heavily through the National Development Plan. Dr. Reto Sullivan, uh, EY EY Ireland Chief Economist, thank you very much for speaking with us. Sport on RTE Radio 1. Gary Moran is here. My phone is pinging all day with pitch inspections and games off. It's a busy day for those trying to organise sports events this weekend. Well, it is. And literally in the last couple of minutes, the Shamrock Rovers Drogheda United match due to be played tonight in the SSE Electricity Men's Premier Division has been postponed due to the adverse weather conditions. Information on a rescheduled date will be issued in due course. And pitch inspections will also be, he- be held ahead of Wexford against Cove Ramblers and Bray Wanderers against Longford Town. And those against Dundalk at half past three today, I can tell you. Yeah. Um, though, funnily enough, and I knew that, except it wasn't mentioned in the most recent... Uh, <laughs> uh, All um, sport is local. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we get on to some sport that's indoors and happening, which is the World Indoor Athletics Championships in Glasgow. A couple of Irish competitors already in action today. Greg Allen has all those details. Good start for the small Irish team with Charlene Mosley finishing dead heated for second place in the 400 metres first round this morning alongside a French and a Norwegian athlete. So she is into this evening's first semi-final at 
10 to 9 with a good lane draw, lane 4, as a result of being an automatic qualifier in 52.23 seconds. Also this evening, Sarah Healy is the second seed in her heat of the 1500 metres, just after 7.30. She's ranked fifth overall and is favoured to make it to Sunday's final. But no progress for Israel Alatunde, who went out in the heats of the men's 60 metres, fourth in a season's best of 6.70 seconds. Round 11 of the United Rugby Championship kicks off tonight. Matches including Munster at home to Zebra. The other Irish provinces all play tomorrow. Jordan Larmer will make his 100th Leinster appearance in their match away against Cardiff. Harry Byrne returns at out half Sam Prendergast on the bench. Hooker Owen de Butler will make his first start for Connacht at home to Scarlets. He came through the ranks at Talked Rugby. And prop Stephen Kitchoff, a World Cup winner, will start for Ulster at home to Dragons with James Hume captioning the side from centre. In golf, deep into his second round of the DP World Tours SDC Championship in South Africa, Tom McKibben on nine under looks like he might lead it halfway, but he dropped four shots over his final three holes. He's on five under now. Tied for